day the Lord has made. You should rejoice and be glad in it. Have you been enjoying a little bit of coolness that's in the air lately? Most of you said amen. I don't know about you, but we turned our air conditioner off, and it's been so nice. And uh, some of you opened up the windows. Praise God for that. All right. With that being said, I want to welcome you here to Robert Cabby Baptist Church. If you're visiting with us, you're our special guest this morning. We're going to ask you to take the time to sit out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you. Place it in the offering plate as they come around so we can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. In the meantime, if you're joining with us online, we also want to say welcome to you. Ask God to bless you and ask you to consider joining us here in person at Robert Cabby Baptist Church as well. I do have a few announcements I want to share with you. Uh, and the first thing we need to do is go ahead and recognize our veterans. You know next week on Thursday is Veterans Day. And there's a lot more than just having the day off. It is a time that we get to thank our veterans for the service they have performed, for the duty they do, the protection they provide. And there is nothing greater besides God than the American soldier. Somebody say amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord, and God bless our United States Armed Forces. If you're in the military, would you please rise up and let us thank you and recognize you. If you've served at all, let us thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Oh, goodness. I want to do something a little different than we usually do. I want to ask one of our veterans if they would lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I'm going to ask Brother Stevie, would you do that for us today? so much. Thank you, Brother Stevie, for that. So there's been lots of questions as why Veterans Day is on November 11th at 11. And so there's a lot going on 11, 11, 11. And so if you don't know the history of it, I want to encourage you to do that and learn about that and find out about what makes Veterans Day so special. So if you see a veteran, you know a veteran, you thank them for their service and what they've done in keeping the United States safe over these last hundred and some odd years, 40 years. So please grateful for that. All right. That being said, as you know, we are selecting for our turkey day coming up. We want to give away, we actually want to think big. We want to give away 30 turkey dinner. And so we're running out of food. And so we're asking you to please provide some uh, some more turkeys. We need some turkey. So if you're interested in donating a frozen turkey, we will take that from you, put it in the church freezer. Uh, we need those. We need green beans. We need corn. We need gravy. We need mac and cheese. We need mashed potatoes, cornbread mix. Uh, I won't go ahead and say it because we're in Texas. We don't have yams. We have sweet potatoes that go like this. Cake mix, frosting, stuffing, and cranberry sauce. We need all those things, but don't stop there. If you feel like donating something else, uh, please be a part of that. We will send that out accordingly as well. So those are the main ingredients of a Thanksgiving dinner. You know we're in Texas. We have macaroni and cheese and Thanksgiving meal. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So. Uh, think about those things, and please prayerfully consider being a part of that. Tonight's church will actually be kind of culminating a little bit of our shoebox there other than the collection group coming up. And we're actually having our packing party tonight. It's going to take place of our uh, evening service. It will start here in Sanctuary. We'll have a prayer. We'll have a short slide show. We'll have a short devotion. I mean, four or five minute devotional. And we will go down to the fellowship hall. We'll begin packing those shoeboxes. We want to pack 300 of those. So we do need your help. We want to ask you to prayerfully be a part of that as well. 
There is something special about putting those two boxes together. If you've never done it, bring your box of pictures with you. You're going to need it. Uh, the first time I ever did it, I was touched. I was blessed in ways that I can't begin to describe. I'm going to share with you just a moment from my heart how it felt the first time I packed a shoebox and I picked up uh, a little boy's underwear and I put it in that box to give away. And I began thinking this will be the only pair that child will have this entire year. And I was touched. And I, I was hooked right then and there. I will forever be a part of Operation Christmas Child. And so, uh, please, prayerfully consider being a part of that. There's all kinds of facets inside of the packing party. There are those that pack the boxes, those that pray over the boxes, those that uh, stack the boxes, and we need to help all of them. We're going to get 300 of them together to ship out. So, and folks, next week on Saturday, we're going to be having our National Collection Week training. And we're going to ask you to be a part of that as well. It's going to be at 10 a.m. I believe some of you in the fellowship halls on right Wednesday. In fellowship hall as well. Following that, there will be a little time of fellowship. Uh, but uh, after that, we'll have our talk turkey day. So I want to ask you to carefully consider being part of that. That's why we're collecting for the turkey day. We want to get out and we want to do a little door to door and find out who we, can, who we can give a turkey to. We want to ask you to be a part of that as well. There's a sign up sheet uh, out in the foyer. There's also one for the collection day as well. So be a part of that. Sign up for that. Uh, next week on November 14th, we'll have our ministry team meeting. Uh, we'll also have business meeting coming up at 6 p.m. on Sunday night. So prayerfully consider being a part of those things. I also want to remind you that we do have Wednesday night services here at Rice Avenue. Come and be a part of those Bible studies. They're a lot of fun. All right. Uh, I think that's all of our announcements for this week coming up. So unless I've forgotten something. If not, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And after we pray, would you please rise and welcome one another. Father, Come to in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. Would you bless us and fill us with your spirit? Not asking you even now, Lord, to reach out and touch us. Help us, Father God, to work through your infinite spirit. And I pray, Father God, your spirit would fall like rain upon each and every one of us. That today we would rejoice to be in your house. That today, Lord God, we would all be able to say to our friends, to our neighbors, to our loved ones, it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. And I pray, Father God, that you would reach out and touch those hearts that don't know you. If they don't know you, would you let today be the day, Lord, they surrender to you and submit to you?
voices, and I love to hear those wonderful voices. If we would, make our way back to our seats. I have a very short but yet powerful OCC video I want to share with you. It will be our last one, I think, of the season, so please enjoy this video.
right now. That'd be a good sermon. Wouldn't it? <laughs> Some of you are like, "Go ahead, Josh. Got to go home." <laughs> oh my goodness! If you have your Bibles with you, you jump with me to the Book of James. Let me just say we're not going to stay there. We'll be jumping around a little bit. Uh, I love to see how the Holy Spirit works um, when our music ministers put together the song selection. They have no idea what I'm preaching about. And so today, I just want to point out that we uh, had footprints of Jesus. We had a come to the Garden of Loam. Uh, we had a bunch of songs about traveling, about walking, about being a part of what God's doing. And the title of this morning's message is Traveling Light. Amen? You know, we even sang a song on Heavenly Sunlight. <laughs> and it just speaks to that and touches me uh, to see what God does with those things. So, uh, if you've caught the theme, we're talking about walking. We're talking about uh, a journey through life, if you will. And so, uh, we're going to explore a little bit of that this morning, starting out in the book of James, in chapter 4, verse 14. If you would, please turn with me there. So, we have a picture of a suitcase here, and a gentleman is carrying it away. And I want you to think a little bit about the journey through life. In fact, I would love for you to look a little bit at our journey uh, throughout these past couple of years. In fact, I was really, really tempted to change the title of this message to Your Daddy. What would you do with your daddy? And what I mean by that is how quickly your time comes. You ever went to a cemetery, to a graveyard, and looked at the tombstones? Unfortunately, I've spent more than a fair share in a graveyard performing funerals. It's amazing to me, even though it may represent years, but how quick that dash comes in between. Born 1925, died 1985. Just a dash in between those years. And so I was tempted to ask you this morning, what would you do with your dash? Because it's just a dash, isn't it? And it goes so quick, and it's just as true on that gravestone, that dash in between the ears as it is as we're going through this life. Just yesterday, I closed my eyes and I had four children at home. Today, I opened them up and two were gone and two were growing up. Just yesterday, I closed my eyes and I had a family of six. And I opened them and I had a family of two. What happens? That dash just goes so fast, doesn't it? Look with me in James 4 and verse 14. Bible says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. This is a biblical picture of how quick our lives go. I want you to think of a vapor, a steam, or better yet, a smoke from a candle. Is that the picture there of someone lighting a candle? Praise the honor and glory in Jesus' holy name. 
look at life as if it is a journey. Though it were a journey, think about some of the wonderful quotes you've heard about how quick life is and how quick it goes. I want to remind you of a few quotes that are famous then. Uh, perhaps you've heard of some of the famous generals in World War One. One of them stood up and he said, Guys, what are you afraid of? They were looking at the advancing German troops. He said, What are you afraid of? They can't hit an elephant at this distance. And he died right then and there. His troops got down. They just can't quickly after that. What about some of the other quotes that we've heard about how quick life is? One of my favorite ones is from uh, MacArthur. He said, The enemy is to our left, and the enemy is to our right. The enemy is behind us, the enemy is in front of us. This time they have nowhere to I wish Christians would take upon that mindset as we look at the loss to our left, the loss to our right, the loss in front of us, the loss behind us. There is no way they can go to get away from us. This morning, though, let's look at life as if it is a journey. As a Christian, how should we travel through this life? It's quick. It's oftentimes just a dash. How should we travel through this journey of life? In fact, what should we leave behind us? What should we take with us? Finally, where are we going? Let's begin with what we should leave behind us. If you would, turn with me in your Bible, please, to Genesis chapter 12. And let's meet a person named Abram. Abram. Now the Lord had said to Abram, this is verse 1, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And this began a long journey for a man that we will begin to know as Abraham later on. God had spoken to Abram when Abram had no relationship with God. He had no idea who God was. God took the time. God took the initiative. God spoke to Abram, and these are the instructions he gave to Abram. There's a journey coming, Abram. You're going to be walking up and out of the land you come from. Incidentally, Abram comes from the Ur of the Chaldees, and he's going to walk all the way to Judea. That's a long walk. And in that long walk, these are the things you need to take with you. I love what God says here in verse 1. These are the things you need to take with you. In fact, I need you to listen to them. Get out of your country. Get out of your family. Get out of your father's house and just go to a land that I will show you. And I need you to understand as a Christian, that's really good advice for us today. As God has been calling Christians to get out of this world, to get out of sin, and to get out of things that are keeping us from doing God's will. Can I get an amen this morning? Let's begin with what we should leave behind us. Genesis 12, verse 1. God says to Abram, get out of your country. And from your family, from your father's house, the land that I will show you. That's kind of a wonderful map right here that you can look at here. It is kind of childish, but it is a neat map. And you can see oh, just where the, the pyramid is, just up from that pyramid, just the second word up there is Ur. And that's Ur of the Chaldees. That's where Abraham came from. If you'll look completely to the left there, right as you get to the Great Sea, or better known as the Mediterranean Sea, that's where Abraham is going. You see that little city there called Jerusalem? No, it wasn't called Jerusalem during Abraham's time. It was called Salem. There was a king there, and that king's name was Melchizedek. He was the king of righteousness, and he was the king of peace. That's a long walk. No, in those days they didn't have cars. In those days, they didn't have portable air conditioners or fans. So a lot of things were going to happen. One of the first things we need to take a look at as we look into that Abraham's journey, and as we look at God's advice to Abraham, how do you journey through this life as a Christian? These are things you need to leave behind. 
time because God has a new place for you to go. God has a place for you to be. It's time to leave that old country behind. Now, I need you not to misunderstand me this morning. I'm not telling you to leave the United States of America. Incidentally, there is no greater place to go other than heaven. Amen? And speaking of the United States of America, there is no greater place to go than Texas. Amen? Why Texas? Because we have blueberry ice cream. Hallelujah. Hallelujah indeed. We got blue bell. We got blue bonnets. We are the place that makes Taco Bell worth visiting. Someone say amen. People come to visit Texas and they go to Taco Bell and they go to Whataburger. That's it. You know, if Texas ever colonized the moon, you know we've been there because you can put a Whataburger there. Don't like it. God has a new place for you to go. And like I said, we're not talking about leaving this country. Incidentally, Christians have got together and said, we need to go somewhere where we can live morally and live peaceably and live according to God's Word. But I want you to know there's nowhere to go. There is nowhere to go in this world anymore. We can't go to Antarctica. We can't go underneath the oceans. There's nowhere else for us to go. Every new land has been discovered and now has an ownership of it. There is nowhere for us to go. There's no place to run to. And you know what? It's time for Christians to quit running. It's time for Christians to stand up and say, this is right and that is wrong. And I'm here to tell you that God will vindicate His people. Here we have this picture of Abel leaving his country. I need you to understand God is telling you, get out of your country, get out of your family, get out of your father's house. We're going to leave this world. When you become a Christian, you end up with a whole new mindset. Did you know that? You end up with a whole new vocabulary. You end up getting a whole new set of friends. It's amazing to me how quickly old friends fall away when you become a Christian. How quickly they don't want to know you when you start preaching to them about Jesus Christ. They say, I really don't want to hear that. I don't want myself to end up changing. I like who I am. Yet they'll be the first ones complaining about how bad life is. God has a new place for you to go, Christian. A new place for you to sojourn. And we need to get out of our country to do that. It's time to leave that old country behind. Incidentally, Abel went on such a long journey. It took him a long period of time to go from the early Chaldees to modern-day Judah. Why such a long journey? Well, I believe it wasn't necessarily to get out of the country, but to get the country out of Abel's country. You know what I mean? Abel was walking through the desert, and through that desert, could you imagine how he felt as he walked in? Remember, there's no cars, there's no air conditioners. He's walking, he's walking, he's walking, and things that he took with him that he probably shouldn't have taken with him, he began deciding, this is too heavy to keep carrying. He was just chunking aside. There was times he might have said, it's really hot out here, and I don't need this anymore. You know what? Those people aren't around anymore, and I don't need to keep that anymore to make them happy. And you need to understand the picture here. Abel had to leave his country because Abel had to begin a brand new citizenship. And you as a Christian begin a brand new citizenship in heaven with a brand new king and you begin a brand new ambassadorship on this earth. Why such a long journey? Well, it wasn't necessarily to get Abram out of the country, but to get the country out of Abram. Could you imagine if Abel walked through that hot desert, casting out his old country one piece at a time? Some of us are on this journey right now, and we're walking, and we're walking, and as hot as it gets, and as hard as it gets in this life, we're realizing there are some things we took with us we don't necessarily need as Christians anymore. We don't need those feelings of guilt anymore. We don't need that past 
nagging at us. How many of you had that past nagging at you all the time and you realize it's the devil bringing it up to you? Well, I want to remind you, when the devil brings the past up to you, you as a Christian need to bring the future to the devil and say, get me behind me. Start getting into a new country. Abram went along, perhaps. He began throwing that old country out at him piece by piece. You know, it only took God one night to deliver Israel to Egypt. But it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. And it took a long time for them to lose that mindset of being slaves. It took a long time to lose that mindset of idolatry. It took a long time to lose that mindset of dependency. When you leave your country, you become a Christian, you're going to find out it takes a while for your loyalties to change. But your loyalty has got to change. If you're going from one country to another, your loyalty has to change. We need to understand as Christians, we owe no allegiance to a man-made government, but we owe our allegiance to Christ, our Savior. I'm not talking about, listen to me, I'm not talking about leaving the United States. I'm talking about putting God first in all things, in everything, and everywhere we go. That includes the government. And God is telling us it's time for a new country. I believe it's time for Christians to stand up and say, we're not dependent upon the government anymore, nor are we going to ask the government to protect us anymore. We are God's people, and we trust God to take care of us, to deliver us, to provide for us, to protect us, to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, because His name is matchless in this world today, and nothing can stand up against Him. And if God be for us, who can be against us? It's time for us to stand up and say, I'm out of this country. I'm living. I'm still in this world. But my mind and my heart is up in heaven now. My soul is up. Some of you have come out of families 
that have been abusive. Some of you come out of families that have led down the wrong path. And as you became a Christian, you're not never talking to mom or dad again, but you're starting to put aside some of the things that you learned from them. In other words, it's no longer okay to be an alcoholic. It's no longer okay to be abusive to your children or to your wife. Now it's because of Jesus in your life. Get out of that family. Abram's case was extreme, had idolatry in it. What I want you to understand this morning is that leaving behind those things can destroy families in which God's calling us to be. We need to leave that part of the family behind. Please understand that as a Christian, you may come into contact with, well, you did this my entire life. Why should we change now? Force the view. And that will happen and it will create tension. And that's part sometimes you have to step away from. That's part sometimes you have to move away from. Get out from your family. Get out from your country. And you know what else God says to Abram? He says, get out of your father's house. Get out from your father's house. As children, we learn things from our parents. Remember that old phrase, monkey see, monkey do? If you lie, your children will lie. If you cheat, your children will cheat. If you are a a deceiver, then your children will deceive. Incidentally, when God called us to leave, he never told Abram to take anything with him. Of course, we know the rest of the story. He takes Lot with him, and he brings a part of his own family with him. And for the rest of his time with Lot, he is plagued with problems. Because when we take some of that old life with us, it holds us down, and it weighs us down. It drags behind us, if you will. I want to give you a better analogy. What if, what if you leave out of that house and that house tumbles down? This is for a memory. This is for a momentum. I don't want to let it go. I need you to understand, if we take those bricks with us, we end up building the same house we left behind. Some of us will take those memories, will take those uh, behaviors with us, and then we wonder why we're in the same place we were before we even took the Because we're building the same kind of house. Jesus has given us new bricks. In fact, you remember in the book of Exodus, as God is speaking to Moses, and he said, go into Pharaoh. I say, let my people go. And you remember, as they go in the very first time, it's in Exodus 4 and 5, they go in and they tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh accuses them of being lazy. He says, because you're so lazy, I'll take the straw away. You'll have to gather your own straw to make bricks. And they get angry at Moses and Aaron. And they say, you put a sword in Pharaoh's hand never understanding for one minute that God wasn't just taking straw away. God was telling them, you don't have to make bricks this time. Some of us are still trying to make bricks for a Pharaoh that doesn't exist in our hearts and our lives. Well, those are things we should leave behind. What should we take with us? What should we take with us? If we need to leave behind our country, leave behind the behaviors of our family, leave behind the bad memories and behaviors of our father's house, then what should we take with us? It's funny that we should ask that because Jesus suggested that. Take a look with me in Mark chapter 6, verses 7 to 9 here. The Bible says, And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey. Except the staff. No bag, no 
bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two swords. And we've got a picture of three things here. We're only going to look at two of them, but we've got three things to take with us. We have a staff, and we have not two tunics, but just one tunic. Don't put on two tunics, meaning the one you have on. And by the way, you need to wear two I cannot get enough out of my mouth to my children say, go out back there, put your shoes on. Inevitably, they're going to come back in the house and say, Dad, I got a sticker. And I'm thinking, why didn't you put your shoes on? And you know, sometimes I wonder if God is that way with us. As we go outside, He's like, I told you not to do that. There's a problem with that. It creates uncomfortable feelings in your heart. Pain in your feet. You know, here's Jesus. He tells them, put a staff in your hand. Don't put on two tunics, just the one that you have, and put on two shoes. Those are things we need to take with us. Well, let's begin looking at just a staff and a tunic, and we'll briefly look at shoes in just a minute. A staff and a tunic, just a staff. Don't put on two tunics, just the one you're wearing. So I need you to understand the picture there is the one that you have. What's in your hand is a staff. What's on you is your tunic. And there's a picture of a staff and a tunic right there for you. You should use that in your mind's eye. That's actually a shepherd's book of a staff there. And that that book is used to gather a sheep in or a lost lamb. It would raise, uh, come around its neck and raise that lamb up. Sometimes the shepherd would carry a rod with them as well, uh, though Jesus didn't mention that, so we're not going to look at that. But a rod would be uh, a short billy club style stick, and it was used oftentimes to discipline a wayward lamb. And let me tell you, God is not above disciplining His people. Amen? So, take a staff with you. That's the first thing we have right there. Take a staff. Why? To defend myself? Take a staff to defend the sheep around me? That makes us better. And we might be thinking this to ourselves, why would I take a staff with me? I don't need anything but a staff. Well, look with me in Psalm 23, verse 4. The Bible says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. So we have a picture here of a staff comforting a sheep. A staff comforting a sheep. And I want you to know something new on this morning. Only in the New Testament do you see this. In the Old Testament, we have a beautiful picture of God being our shepherd, of us being the lamb. And then in the New Testament, we have a picture of God coming down saying, I will become a lamb so that you might be saved. We have a picture where the shepherd becomes a lamb and leads us to pathways of righteousness. So we're supposed to take God's staff with us. What is God's staff? Well, I think symbolically it refers to God's Word so that we can be corrected, so that we can have God's direction in our lives. You all need to take a staff in your hand, said Jesus. And I believe through this walk, we're supposed to walk with God's Word. We're supposed to walk and talk along with God in everywhere we go. And we're supposed to be relying on His Word for direction, for correction, for comfort, and for understanding the future. God's Word, His staff, put a staff in your hand. It's not necessarily to fight off wolves, even though we can do that. It's not necessarily to defend everybody, though we can do that. It is a staff that brings back comfort. Remember in Psalm 23, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What's comforting about God's Word? Does anybody know what's comforting about God's Word? Let me tell you what's comforting about God's Word. God's Word promises me that though I walk through the valley, 
you settle this, he will be with me. God's Word tells me that even if I deny him, he will not deny me. God's Word tells me that he will never leave me nor forsake me. God's Word tells me that though the earth falls away, the grass and the fields and the flowers burn up, his Word endureth forever. God's staff, take it with you on your journey. Take God's Word with you. God's Word is the only thing in this world we can trust. Did you know that? God's Word is the only thing that we can rely on. I got tickled the other day. You know, our government just passed a brand new infrastructure bill. And inside of that infrastructure bill are all kinds of new climate accords. They think by taxing us, they can correct global warming. I want to remind them that we don't even know how to unload cargo ships. Don't you think we can fix global warming with a tax? That's supposed to comfort me? You know what comforts me? God's Word is what comforts me. And He assures me in His Word that lawlessness will begin to come all over this world. And that God's people, God's church, will become hated by the world. And you know what? We're getting there today, aren't we? They're beginning to blame us for everything. They're beginning to say, it's those mean, judgmental Christians over there. They're over there hating all by themselves. Look at those Christians. They've been drinking some haterade. You ever heard that before? Been drinking some haterade? Pastor, where'd you get that from? Remember, I did work in a prison for a while. Did I ever drink some haterade? Let me tell you, it tastes nasty. Those Christians, they're judging over there. You know, I came back from some training. God bless those wonderful people. But the moment I got in there, they immediately separated themselves from me. They immediately began saying, Christianity takes a second seat to modern-day psychology. Oh, you know how I wanted to stand up and tell them the truth. The truth is, is that modern psychology has got it all backwards. If they believe that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man, then I want to tell them a physical truth. Go out there and buy yourself a rooster and see if you get an egg out of it. Go out there and buy a bull and see if you can get some milk from it. And learn some modern-day science today for those people who are plumb stupid. Amen? Oh, it could be a man. Oh, it could be a woman. Oh, it could be anything it wants to. And I want you to know modern-day psychology has nothing on God's Word. Not a thing on God's Word. God's Word comforts us when life is falling down around us. God's Word provides us when we need provision. God's Word is all we've ever needed all we're ever going to need. People ask me all the time, how come God's not talking to me? I'll tell them the truth. When's the last time you read your Bible? And they'll say, it's been a couple of days. It's been a couple of days since God spoke to you then, isn't it? And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm talking, there is 66 books in that Bible of God talking to you. He has given you His Word and He expects you to follow it. His Word is for protection, it's for correction, it's for direction, and it's for comfort. We're supposed to comfort one another with those words. Let me tell you about that staff again. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What is the rod used for? Discipline. And incidentally, if God doesn't discipline you, you ain't a Christian. The Bible says that. If you're not getting disciplined, then you be a bastard, the Bible says. And it's time for you to start realizing who your father is. Remember what Jesus also said? He said, look, not two tunics on don't put two of them on. Just one you have. What is a tunic? Well, we had that picture of that guy with a staff. He had that 
neat looking shepherd. It was very period uh, pleasing. It was exactly what we would think in our mind's eye what a tunic is. But a tunic is often more than that. A tunic is sometimes used to go to shelter. Did you know that? Sometimes at night, if they had nowhere to go, they would put that tunic, that cloak, that coat, that big shirt off of him.
speaks French to those who can speak French. He speaks pig Latin to those who can't speak anything else. Let it be known to all of you that there is just one name. And when I called upon the name of Jesus, my life changed dramatically. I began on a journey where I was throwing things behind me I didn't need anymore. I began walking through the desert, and I realized that journey was going to take more out of me than I was taking before. Because God was making me a brand new creation. There is no salvation in any other name. That's why just one, two. Don't take two. Just one. Yeah! 
can't be behind me. I will not be an alcoholic anymore. I will not be a drug addict anymore. I will not live my life in anger or shame or misery anymore. I've got a Savior who thinks I'm worth dying for. I've got Jesus Christ, the name above all names. Where are we going? The Bible tells us in Matthew 7, 13 and 14 that we have entered by the narrow door. Where are we going? Of course, we know where we are ultimate goal is to go to heaven. To get to heaven. Jesus tells us to enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate. And broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate. And difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Think about that for a second. We often talk about people coming down the aisle and getting saved. And that's wonderful. We need to do that. The Bible talks about I've got a whole mindset I'm trying to reestablish that I walked away from. 
so I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved. Would you be willing to put Christ in your heart? Would you be willing to make Him your Lord and Savior? Would you hear His word? I am Jesus. We are healed. Did you hear the words in Acts chapter 2? Repent and trust in Jesus. Did you hear that? There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Would you be willing to hear this call today? Did you hear the end of, uh, of our book of Acts? I know that those who God calls, and He calls them first. Do you feel that pull in your heart? Do you feel that pull in your life today? Would you be willing to come and put Jesus in your heart? Would you be willing to get it right with Christ this morning? We're going to have a word of prayer that is spoken to you. Would you let today be that day of service? Father, we come to now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you, Lord God, for your word. And I pray, Father God, you take charge of that text. And if you need anybody who needs to come today, if anybody who needs to get their heart right with you, would you let today be that day? Would you let your spirit move? Would you let your name be glorified? Would you give you the praise, honor, and glory? In Jesus' name, we ask it. Would you come as we sing? Ask him. Would you come this morning? Come on. By his stripes we are healed. Come on.
packing party. I've been told that this is going to be soon as we get you there. There's going to be all kinds of sweets. And in fact, you've been invited to bring your own sweets. And I want to challenge you. Make one better than my Betsy. <laughs> Betsy's making almond amaretto cake. And I'm telling you, come and get a piece of that. But if it's the last one, it's mine. Amen? I love almond amaretto cake. And come and get a piece of that. So come and get your heart blessed as we do that packing party. You will get blessed in it. Uh, you'll get hooked in it. And you'll see that this is this is a mission. It's a mission. And not only is it a mission, it's an outreach. Not only is it an outreach, it's a missionary tool. We're going to put tools in missionaries' hands to bring the gospel to those who've never heard Jesus Christ. Come and be a part of what God is doing in Robinson Avenue. Amen in that. Uh, don't forget, uh, there will be no, is that right, Mark? Robert, no, Pastor, Pastor Ben, for, for uh, OC. Packing parties so we can make some cookies, right? Amen. So, with that being said, um, I'll see you tonight. Six o'clock. We'll start here in the sanctuary, and we'll make our way down to the fellowship hall, and it'll be over when it's over. We're looking to pack 300 boxes. So, um, bring your packing gloves. Amen. All right. Uh, do we have any last-minute prayer requests, questions, or comments before we go? <laughs> Thank you, Brother Jeff. Woo. Cowboys may be lucky today. That's all I'm going to say on that. That is a wonderful time, though. Without a doubt, Brother Joe is probably the sharpest deaf man in the church. Amen? So, there he is. Oh, God bless you, Brother Joe. Thank you for that. Let's close in a word of prayer. And because you said that, can you close us in a word of prayer, Brother Joe?